Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome. This is uh, Better Make It Quick. It's the quick Wednesday version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast that's here to make your day better than yesterday. That's it. That's what we do since 2013, having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them experts at what they do, each one of them here to make your day better than yesterday. That's it. Hundreds of episodes to choose from. I'm on here Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. And Wednesdays, we kind of have a look back through the back catalogue and see what we can find because there's hundreds of shows, man. And Bree, who's uh, one of my producers here, I said to Bree, go and and find some episodes that really resonate with you because, you know, what resonates with her is different from what resonates with me. And I like listening to the show through another person's ears. So she's picked out some of her favourites. And this one's really cool. Going back to 2016, so this is quite a while back now. We were living in in Bondi. It was the first apartment that me and G and Audrey had together when we all moved in together. We got a dog. We were a family unit for the first time. It was pretty wild times in all of our lives. And then one day there was a knock at my door and Chazla Chardello showed up. Now, if you don't know who Chazla Chardello is, he is a comedian and he is a member, probably the most legendary member of the uh, Australian satire collective known as The Chaser. To talk about the impact that The Chaser had on Australian TV culture and politics is difficult because you can't really underestimate it. They are fearless. They are powerful. Uh, Their legacy remains strong, even though they're perhaps not as visible now. The pipeline of talent that they have pushed out in the world continues to make enormous waves. The Chaser is a very recognisable name in Australia, but early in their career, their first show was called CNNNN. And there was also a show called The Chaser's War on Everything. Before that, they were just a bunch of mates at uni. They were working on a satirical newspaper. How did they come up with that? That was Charles. That was Charles. Charles was at uni, was, in fact, in before uni. You did stuff in high school, though, didn't you? Yes, yes, right. I was going to say, in before uni, when we were at, we, me, Charles, and Dom all went to Sydney Grammar together. And there was a school newspaper there that was, it wasn't even a newspaper. It was basically just 
a forum for teachers to send messages to students of some kind. It was like a community notice board. And then Dom took it over and decided to turn into a comedy newspaper for reasons I don't understand. Charles just fell in love with that. And Charles and Dom, I wrote my stuff. But to be honest, when I was in high school, I just wasn't a very good writer. So I'd spent all time just writing just music reviews that essentially were just excuses to just pay out Mariah Carey. That was basically it. It's basically, I just wrote a column for four years about how much I hated Mariah Carey, essentially. But Dom and Charles did all these comedy news articles and all the rest in the school newspaper. And then Charles, when he went to uni, because he was a couple of years ahead of us, he took over Onisoir, which was the Sydney Uni newspaper, and did the same thing and turned into a comedy newspaper. And he loved that so much after he finished being Onisoir, that he, he tried over and over again to start his own comedy newspaper. And they all failed, one after another. He, he did start a whole bunch of them. And they all failed. But then he kind of stopped running it with his friends because he, he, all his friends got sick of making failed comedy newspapers with Charles. So he decided instead to just basically just advertise around the, the university saying who wants to get involved in another comedy newspaper, hoping that someone would get involved who hadn't heard of his other failed ventures. <laughs> and, um, and so the people who then got together were, were, I mean, they were loose friends of Charles, but not really that close. These, are, these, were, these were all complete, and I wasn't one of them, by the way. These were all complete strangers essentially, uh, which were Craig and Jules and Dom and to a lesser extent Andrew Hansen. And so that was Charles's baby. He just wanted to do this comedy newspaper. He didn't want to do TV or anything like that. He just wanted to do a comedy newspaper. And Charles has always been very political. Like the rest of us are less political than Charles is. Like Charles's family's all in the Labor Party and uh -huh. like, like his, his sister is Verity Firth who was a New South Wales Labor minister until quite recently. Um, and his mother is uh, Meredith Bergman who's the, the leader of the, in the, what, the Senate's equivalent in New South Wales. So he's very political. And uh, so that was the, the fire in the belly was very much Charles's fire in the belly, I have yeah. to say. The, I sort of was a Johnny come lately afterwards because um, when the newspaper first formed, uh, the only person who really read it was Andrew Denton. I don't know how he, he got his hands on it, but somehow he got his hands on it. Yeah. And he decided that these guys were really good, which was more than I felt at the time because I, was, I wasn't a member of them and I read their newspaper and said, this is shit. But Andrew Denton thought it was great. And so he- How did you become a member though? How well, did you this, this is where I'm going because Andrew Denton then tried to get these guys on radio and on TV. But when they got on radio, it was on Triple M and they were on like Sunday night on Triple M and they had no idea what to do because these guys were all uber nerds. All they knew about was news and politics and they're on Triple M. You can't talk about- politics mm. all day on Triple M, right? And so they wanted to have someone who could make jokes about pop culture. That's me. <laughs> that's, so, that's, Mr., that's Mr. Mariah Carey. Yeah. Right? So, the, um, so uh, like at that point in time, I'd written for the, for the law review at uni and stuff. I'd been the director of that and I'd, and I'd developed quite a line in making jokes about pop culture, about, about TV and, and uh, music and so forth and they just need someone to do that. And I also do sport as well. So they just got me in for that. How did they find you? How did they know you? Well, I'm, I'm Dom's friend. All oh, right, you stayed yeah. in touch with Dom. Yeah, 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 yeah. me and Dom were good friends. So, so Dom, they, they just said to Dom, we need someone to do this. And Dom said, I know exactly the guy. All oh, right. Yeah, and so uh, he got me in to do that. And I felt a bit sort of guilty about it because, yeah, I, I felt horrible. In fact, these guys that work really hard in this paper, which I didn't write, they asked me to join originally and I said no because <laughs> I didn't write it. And, I, and to be honest, I thought that they were all a bit arrogant. <laughs> that's, that's a bit of a newsflash for you. <laughs> but um, but uh, and then when, when they're on radio, then I come in and sidle in and take advantage of their successes. I felt really guilty about that. So I ended up ironically working 
twice as hard as I otherwise would have. And I then joined a newspaper and just wrote lots and lots of articles just as a penance because I felt so guilty about, <laughs> about jumping in on their radio act. And uh, in the end, I became the person who wrote most of the, the newspaper in the later years because um, I just felt guilty. And I still do, to be honest. I still feel like I, yeah, I really got a really lucky break there because uh, the ship came in and I told them to bugger off <laughs> and uh, the, uh, until someone else basically gave me a roll gold opportunity to, right. to make it on radio, which is what I always want, actually wanted to do. The Chaser's main focus has always seemed to be politics. Their coverage of the uh, Australian federal elections were magnificent. They were hilarious and they brought it a much needed kind of sideways look at the kind of stuff that we were being told that was real. It was hilarious. It was magnificent. But how did each member's own political beliefs and alignment affect the approach to how they made what they made? The most important thing I think with us is that we, none of us, now, you, you probably wouldn't be able to guess that from watching our TV show, who, who has what, because none of us believe in preaching. None of us think that our role is to wage political propaganda and go, oh, we need to show this person up as a hypocrite or something. Like, our role is to be a comedian. Now, often when you're doing comedy, you can make points as part of the comedy. It actually helps. But first and foremost, we think you have to be funny. And so for that reason, I think we hide our political views pretty well. For that reason, I would say yeah. you have yeah, until yeah. just now. Yeah, so there you go. So the um, so uh, then so say for example, someone like John Stewart. Yeah, he will because of the right in America mm. is, and like I'm not going to talk about Noah, um, Trevor Noah, yeah. the, the new guy, mm. because frankly, it's not as great as it used to be, yeah. and that's fine. But John's so John was kind of given the gift of mm. stupid right wing mm. uh, politics yeah. in power yeah. for pretty much all of his. Mm tenure, yeah. and then really stupid right-wing politics in opposition for all of his mm. tenure. Mm. Yeah, the left over there was doing some dumb shit, but it was never as funny as, you know, a Texas anti-gay, anti-abortion senator who loves his guns being busted for soliciting blowjobs yeah. in a bathroom <laughs> at an yeah. airport. I mean, yeah. that it just, I mean, what are you going to do in the writer's room? You just go, next. I mean, yeah. like, we just have to say that out loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was able to kind of wag his finger a lot at the mm. right mm. there. But are you saying that with such a diverse group of people who are, mm. who are riding for the chaser, how do you come together on the gag? Is the gag, as you said to me 10 years ago, is the gag just get people fucked off, just get the outrage? If people can go, <gasps> how dare they, then that's the joke. Mm. Look, I think, I think, yeah, I think when there is something where it's just obvious unabridged hypocrisy, that's a real easy area for comedy. Like that, because everyone can agree on that. Like, regardless of your political persuasion, everyone can agree that that is just hypocrisy, <laughs> just objective hypocrisy. And that's also an easy way to make, to make jokes because you can, it's easy to be sarcastic about hypocrisy. Like, it's easy to, to do extensions and exaggerations and all the rest of it. So, I would say, yeah, if you can find some just blatant outrage, easy comedy, no problems whatsoever. Australia is a bit harder in that regard because there aren't such obvious outrages. Some might disagree with me, but I would say compared to America, there are definitely not such obvious outrages. And also the outrages don't change. Like for instance, there's only so many pieces you can do about say asylum seekers. The story has not changed for 15 years. The, the fact that if you were coming from first principles, you'd go, okay, wh where is the hypocrisy here? Where is the, where, where is the outrage? And you'd, you'd probably start with the, the New Zealand immigration figures. You go, it's, we're worried about 200 people here when there are 
50,000 people over there from New Zealand who can do whatever they like. You know, like also, but that point's been made a million times. Yeah. Yeah, like so you, there's no point making it for the millionth the first time. And yeah, and so and so and Australia is a lot like that, where a lot of issues just stay there. They don't go away. And unless you can think of a, a fresh angle, you just stop talking about it because you just don't want to be boring. Yeah, it's uh, so uh, so that's the challenge with Australia, I would say. Yeah, uh, so but yeah, if you can find a fresh outrage, you go straight there. Is absolutely. there a center line though of just like, oh, okay, so we've just had this election where we've pretty much split exactly mm. down the middle as a country. Mm. It's come down to, like I said, maybe by the end of this conversation, we'll have a parliament. Mm. We don't know. It's mm. Tuesday. They're still mm. counting postal votes. Of which mine was one. <laughs> Is there a moral stance that you all share that you can make a joke from? Yeah, look, there's things that we all agree like on. Like it's just like being a good human? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was going to say the, the hypocrisy thing and the just when people are saying things that aren't true, that's something everyone agrees on. Like, for instance, like there was an obvious one in this election campaign about the completely made up Medicare thing from Labor. Like no one, no thinking person thinks that that wasn't over the top. What they were saying about Malcolm Turnbull was going to privatise Medicare. That was clearly over the top. Everyone knows that. Um, so that's something that we all agreed upon. Uh, the... Uh, from the other side, a, a great example from the other side is negative gearing, like where, where you literally had at the same time, at exactly the same time, Malcolm Turnbull saying that, and the whole right saying that, that negative gearing does not affect house prices, but if you remove negative gearing, it will affect house prices, <laughs> which is obviously not true. Like one of them, you can't have both of them. One of them is true and one of them is not true. They can't both be true. So the, um, and I've got, we, in fact, we have a piece in this week's show, uh, which is, will have been to air by the time you hear this, but um, where we have, God love him, a, a master builders association lobbyist on Sky News being taken through by David Spears eight times from David Spears saying, so will it affect house prices? And go, no, no, no. And then, 20 seconds later, yes, it will affect house prices though. But will it affect prices? No, no, no. Yes, it will help affect house prices. And it's, like they just can't make up their mind. And so that's an example where if you have a brain, you can see that this is ridiculous and this is an outrage. If you do have an interest in working in media or you know someone that does, I want you to hold on because Chaz has some extraordinary words of advice in a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Better Make It Quick. Uh, I'm Osher Ginsberg, and we're listening back to a couple of bites out of my conversation with Chaslet Chardello, which was episode 145, a couple of hundred episodes ago, 2016. It's well worth listening to. Now, Chaz is from a group called The Chaser. They were discovered and nurtured by Australia media legend Andrew Denton. Now, Andrew found the guys when they were at uni. He nurtured them. He took the chaser under his wing. He helped them to be the best they could be. He basically protected them from the dickheads. That's the line that they use. That attitude, nurturing and opening doors for the next generation, is something that the chaser guys, they continue to do it. I love being off air just helping people. Like, mm. like the, they won't say helping, but I mean, what, what I'll do is they'll write the script, they'll bring it to us, I'll fine-tune it with them, we'll then... I'll give them some advice about performing. I'll then sit in the edit suite with them and try and make it work. I'll, t- I'll point out the things they could have done better or whatever. And then and, and I think actually the most important thing, the thing I like the best is just, and this is the theatre as well, is just providing a space for them to fail mm. because you just, you just don't start good. No one starts good. Like you were saying, okay, there's the odd genius. Like I'm sure, I'm sure Hamish started good. Fuck him. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> but, um, but, at, f- at 15. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, but with, with the exception of that bastard Hamish. But he can't be who he is without, without Andy. But that's, that's, that's the thing. You meet, and it's Will Anderson's joke. Yeah. But you meet Andy and you yeah. go, how can one person be so fucking funny? Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair. And then yeah. you meet Hamish and go, what? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But anyway, I think with the exception of those two, no one starts good. Yeah. And you just need an opportunity to spend a few years sucking. And the best thing about our setup which I love is that we've got, we've got basically a little factory here where people can log for us. We don't even ask them to write. We just get in the log. And when you log, you sit there watching other people write scripts and you learn from just, just watching the way the script writing process works. So they sit in the meetings, they see what we do, they don't say a word, they just watch. And then when they log, that takes a bit of comic, it, it takes a comic mindset to find humour in just boring shit, you know? Mm. And so that's good practice. And so they hone their comic instincts from logging while they're seeing the writing me. And then after a couple of years when they feel comfortable, they write something. And it always sucks. And, but then we, we take them through carefully about how they can improve it. And often the, the people who are in between them and us in age help them as well, which is great. Mm-hmm. There's a little factory of everyone helping everyone else. And, and eventually we give them, a, a tiny opportunity. We go, okay, well, this one minute sketch, this, this will get up and we'll, and in the meantime, we get them to do cameos, little cameos. So they just get honed their performing skills and then they get slightly bigger ones and slightly bigger ones. And yeah, basically Zoe, for instance, take Zoe. Zoe is someone who joined us in, I believe, 2012. And it was only really the end of last year that she became really like, just like an, a full equal. It took her three years. And she progressed at her own rate. And now she is, in my view, probably the best person in the group. You know, she's such a great performer, such a great writer. And by the way, she's great behind the scenes with edits and, and producing. She has a lot. That's another thing people don't talk about. There aren't a lot of female producers in TV either. 
And the, uh, in reality, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I promise you. Oh, well, okay. At least not our side. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, so we've been trying to get them to produce as well. Yeah. And, the, uh, and I feel like that side of things, just giving them time, giving mm. them an environment where they can make mistakes for several years and gradually find their feet, I really like that. Um, yeah. I think it's good. If people ever wanted to become a logger, how do they do it? Look, to be honest, you can email me. Like, yeah. People will. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's okay. What we tend to do when people email, uh, email us, we tend to give them work experience jobs. And if they look like they're a goer, then when there's a slot, we get them in as a logger. Like it's just, yeah. And then apart from that, just be around because this is what we do. I go around like every Melbourne Comedy Festival, I go down and watch everything. Yeah. <laughs> just, and I'm not interested in the people who are selling out. I'm interested in the, in the people who are performing to seven people. And you just yeah. go, you got the right mindset though. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the other thing. I find that, you talk about 21-year-olds who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. We'll give them a go, but I'm less interested in the 21-year-olds who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm more interested in the in the 25-year-olds and 26-year-olds who have been beating their head against a wall mm. for the last four or five years. They've had the world nowhere. disappoint them. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, what I find You'll peel is, them off the bottom. Because <laughs> as, as I'm sure you can describe to, television is hard. Yeah. And I much prefer someone who really wants it because yeah. they've been working really hard and they've been getting nowhere. Yeah. And they're desperate for the opportunity. And like when they get the opportunity, they're going to grab it and they're going to be prepared to work 18 hours and they're going to be prepared to, to not have a life. Yeah, people don't want to hear that here no. you are, one of the producers and executive producers of one of the longest running satirist teams in Australian television history and you are still doing 18 yeah, hour days. Yeah, sorry. People don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. It really is. Hard. It, the thing is that, You've never made it. This is another thing which I'm sure you'd agree with. You've never made never. it. Never. You've never made it. There's, if, if you, okay, you've got your name recognition, but the fact is that name recognition is a, is a positive and a negative. It's a positive because people at least will be, will be aware of you, but it's a negative because people go, oh, fuck them again. Mm. Someone fresh, please. And there's always someone new. Mm. And comedy is always changing and you've got to reinvent yourself over and over and over again because otherwise you're out of date. And, mm. the, uh, and so, yeah, so you've never made it. You've just got to keep on working just as hard as when you started. Isn't that the truth? There's a wonderful story here, actually, because Chaz was very serious when he offered work experience. Bree Steele, who produced this very episode, the one you're listening to right now, she heard this interview in 2016 and she took Chaz at his word and she emailed me and said, hey, Chaz just said he'd be happy to have anybody to do work experience. Was he serious? I was like, yeah, sure. So I forwarded her email to Chaz. She followed it up with him. And that email that she sent and Chaz's commitment to what he said on our show opened so many doors for Brie. And the legacy of that choice, that decision on both of their parts is extraordinary. If you're in a position to help the next generation in whatever it is you do, do it. Because you'd learn so much. You learn so much from everyone you help. And the doors that get open for them also open for you. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. It makes a world of difference to you, to them, to everybody. It's really important. You can hear that full conversation with Chaz if you scroll back to 2016, episode 145. Chaz is also on Planet America, which is on the ABC. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to uh, Bruce Steele, the aforementioned Bruce Steele, who produced this episode. Andy Ma, who cut it up. Thanks, Andy. Rachel Barrett, who executive produces everything, and Toe Hider, the great Toe Hider who made all the music. Thanks so much for listening. Until we speak next time on Friday, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 